everybody. Welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. I'm your host, Stuffy McStuffstuff, and Jason Pridmore is on the line. What's up, JP? What's up, G-Dub? They're sick again, huh? Yeah, yeah. A couple, you know, 10 days on the road with archery and commentating and all that stuff. I think I caught a little something-something. Took three COVID tests, though. Different different brands, and I don't have the vid, so I just have the... Oh, that's good. Sitting I have the sniffling, right? steaming, coughing, aching, stuffy head fever, and I need to rest medicine. Or and, and and Vegas. All that air Vegas, conditioning and everything All else. that air conditioning, the yep. smoke. South Point Ho- Hotel and Casino. I don't know if you've ever been there, Jay. It is not... Is it smoky? Oh, it's Can't not the Venetian. It. You know what I mean? Like, their yeah, filtration yeah. system yeah. is brutal there. Yeah. yeah so nice. many people, like, you know... If you, I didn't stay there this year. I actually stayed across the street. Um, this is the Vegas shoot. And normally I'm there four days and never see the sun. So this one, I was at least getting out. So it's like when you actually leave the environment and come back in, that's when you really get the impact. You're like, woof. This yeah. place is super smoky. How was, uh, how was Chuck Vala? It was good. Yep. Yeah. Another uh, solid two days, three days out there. Monday it blew a little bit. So we didn't get to ride on Monday, which was a bit of a bummer. But, oh, Monday um, was a scratch. I didn't know that. Monday was a scratch. Day. Now I got about nine days where I chill, but then I got another big, I got two days at Buttonwillow followed by Chuck Wall. Like I don't even come home. So I've got like. You got another stretch? Eight, got How long is that stretch? stretch? Not 10 up. days. That's going to be a solid uh, eight or nine. Yeah. Oy, I, go, I go to Buttonwillow to start with, and then I'm going to drive over to Chuck Wall and then days there. So with the races end of the month. Well, yeah, we got stuff going on. So we got testing. Know, we got March races coming, coming up. up yeah, and, all kinds of stuff. Dude, Daytona is like right five weeks, four it's, weeks or something. It's here. It's like it's a month. Four weeks it, away. Okie dokie. Well, on this podcast, we're going to talk about some Moto America stuff, uh, Moto GP stuff, because the, I don't know what you call it, pre-test test happened at Sepang as we prepare for the official test that happens tomorrow. We're recording this Wednesday. So it happens tomorrow, our time. Friday their time. And obviously we're going to talk about Supercross, Supercross Fantasy. Uh if you want to support the podcast on Patreon, if you like what we're doing, feel free to do that. It's patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. Link is in the bio. And uh yeah, that's that. So why don't we just go ahead and break right into the news presented by Arai? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hey, if you live down south, you know riding season is right around the corner. That means it's time for you to dust off your motorcycle, put gas in it, do those things, and go check out your helmet. I know you're ready for a new helmet this season. You want to start out fresh. Go to AraiAmericas.com and go check out all the stuff they have to offer, including the new Contour helmets. Absolutely spectacular. I have one. I rode it. It's freaking nice. All right. Do yourself a favor. Go check out AraiAmericas.com for fitment, technical information, colorways, all that new stuff. All right. We get right into it because JP, we wake up this morning. There was some news, some Moto America stuff about super sport. The Andy DeBrino, the Pacific Northwest guy who finished on the podium in stock thousand at the Ridge, his home track, been showing a lot of speed. He's done the thing with the jumps and the, and the, and the, the, the motocross bikes and the flat track bikes. He's coming in to Next Generation Supersport with an MV Augusta F3RR, and we got him right here on the podcast. Debrino, what is up, dude? How are you? Hey, hey, good to be here. I'm I'm so excited. It's been hard to hold this secret in the last couple months. Yeah, I've been teasing it on the podcast for quite a while because you and I have been talking about this for a little bit. So tell us, uh, tell us what's going on. Tell us about the program. Tell us about the bike and what your plans are. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I just picked up picked up the bike yesterday and the plan is to do select rounds in super sport so the goal is to debut this thing at road america in june and then we'll hit the ridge my home track we'll hit laguna and then we'll also do coda and new jersey and yeah it's kind of a it's a small program you know um you know we got a little bit of support uh you know for this deal so i was able to get a bike and hopefully i'll get another here eventually but uh yeah, and then EDR is going to be building the thing, and, you know, yeah, it's super sport legal, and I'm just super excited, you know, it's a really unique bike, and, uh, you know, I think those that know me know I do things a little bit differently than others, and so this just is going to play into that really well. 
Yeah, it's great, Andy, to have you on. Thanks for coming on because, uh, and, and this is good news. I mean, we got another brand coming to the paddock with a, with obviously a very talented writer. I think, um, I was, I was, I Tebow all the AFT events and I was, uh, I'm finally getting around to all of them. And I saw that you did Castle Rock last year. And I think that that's great kind of brushed up on it coming in. You're one of the most versatile guys that we have, obviously super successful in road racing, straight rhythm. I saw on the two stroke, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was insane. Yeah. I saw you doing straight rhythm. I saw some moto videos the other day. Um, you've been keeping yourself fit, obviously, and ready to go. When are you going to get on this MV for the first time you think? Tomorrow, tomorrow right. I'm going to go up to Button Willow. So yeah, just, it'll be obviously stock trim. So I'm not doing any real testing or nothing or any development, mostly just like going to take it out for fun tomorrow. But I'm actually down here in California to, uh, to do some practice on my 890 Duke and, you know, go race with CRA. So yeah, I'm just down here to kind of get the, the rust knocked off. But, but yeah, we, uh, you know, as soon as I get that thing home on Monday, we're going to dig right into it. And, you know, I got some parts on order. But, you know, the main, the main thing right now is we're waiting on some electronics that we need for this thing to be legal. And I think that's going to be about an eight-week wait from Italy right now. So, you know, I know people are like, oh, I hope to see him at Daytona or, you know, they want to see me at Atlanta. And that is just out of the cards just because we got to get some parts. You know, this thing's a, it's a unique bike. There's not a lot out there for it. So it's going to take a little bit of time for us to get, you know, get going on this thing. But once we get going, I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. And then, you know, you said that the Daytona thing, the, the good thing is, is with, you're still doing the super hooligans, correct? So you, we're going to get still, still see you at nearly every round. What you'd probably miss Atlanta or is there a hooligans race in Atlanta? Uh, won't be in Atlanta. There's no yeah. round for that there. Won't be at Barber. I'll probably be skipping Brainerd and Pittsburgh. So okay. kind of my thought process is, you know, obviously R- road America is one of my favorite tracks. Yeah. Um, Love that track. Want to be there this year. That's going to be super fun. And then the Ridge would be really great. That's going to be my best opportunity to get a good result. And Laguna is going to be fun, though I'm not really sure about this, you know, extended race there. That's going to be, you know, something new for me, you know, something new to figure out. And then Coda, I've never been there before, but that's a round that lines up with Super Hooligan. So I'll be there anyway. So I'll, I'll bring the MV with me. And then after that, that's kind of the, end of everything else I got going on. So at that point, it's like, might as well send the bike with somebody to Jersey. You know, Jersey is a track that, you know, my only Moto America career podium in the 600 category is at New Jersey. So, and I got family back at New Jersey. So that's a track I've been trying to get back to for years, just so I can go see family and, and go race out there. So I remember looking that, forward that, to Jer- that podium was in the rain, wasn't it? I think if or it was, I yeah, it I remember. Was. See, Andy, I remember this. Yeah, stuff. I remember. <laughs> uh, it should have been. It should have been a win. I had like a, you know, that was a really wet race. And back when Superstock Six Hundred, the class I was racing, they ran with Super Sport, you know, right. combined. And yeah, I remember, I had like an eleven second lead or something crazy, and then the red flag came out, and then you know everybody's just like follow Andy, and I got you know sniped on the last spot <laughs> for the win. Yeah, but. So are you, is this a, is this a deal where you're under contract with a manufacturer or would you be, if something was to pop up where you could go do other super sport rounds for any teams that might think about throwing a guy on for Atlanta or somewhere like that, or would you still be allowed to do that? That's something I haven't asked. So, you know, this is, you know, really the only contract I have is with competition works. So they're a aftermarket slip on exhaust and eliminator kit out of Oregon. I've known those guys for a long time. They've helped me out a little bit in the, you know, with my program. So by, you know, by, I, by the way, I have one of their exhausts on my triumph street triple. And I mean, JP, if you look at competition works pipe, it looks like it's a GP bike. Does it? Yeah, I mean, it is a welding. It, <laughs> really right, nice. Am I right to bring Like these things are, they're, they're yeah. just pretty. Like they're so wow, good. It's crazy. It's yeah. all those, all those pipes are welded in Oregon you know, by hand by somebody. So that's, everyone looks at it and they're just like, that's too good to be done by a person. Their stuff's definitely really beautiful, really well done. They're going to be making me a custom muffler for this race bike. So um, I'm really excited about that. They made me some custom mufflers last year for my ZX-10. But uh, but yeah, if anything, yeah, I, I would really, I don't see myself doing anything else. Like I'm really trying to, you know, help, kind of build the image back for envy with racing and 
if anything was to happen, like maybe I get more support and do more rounds. That's the way I look at it. So I, I wouldn't, I don't see myself taking another opportunity to go ride another bike because that just kind of goes against the grain with what I'm trying to do. And, you know, if, if things go well, you know, maybe we'll get to do more rounds, you know, but I got to be honest, I'm not, I wouldn't be super stoked to go back to Brainerd after my visit there last, last summer. Yeah, I get that. How did this whole thing come about then? How did, why MV? How did you end up bringing this brand into the Moto America paddock? Well, I mean, so yeah, actually, you know, people know I'm affiliated with KTM. I have a strong relationship with them. And, you know, honestly, it was you that broke the news to me, you know, we we're playing Call of Duty and you're like, hey, man, like, what do you think <laughs> of this? And I remember at the time, you know, when you, when you told me the news about KTM buying majority stake of MV, I didn't think much of it because I was just super focused on the stock thousand deal because that's what I've been doing the last few years. But, you know, just with the schedule changes they've made and other things like it was just kind of the perfect storm. You know, I started looking at this. I'm like, man, like that would be a really cool opportunity to race this bike. I'm, I'm a quarter Italian, you know, I like, I've always wanted to race an Italian bike and then to kind of, you know, I got to be careful what I say, because there's still a lot of stuff on the business side between KTM and MV that they're resolving right now. So this is all like, it's all, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to elaborate on that, but you know, there, there was some stuff behind the scenes, you know, that kind of helped get this to come together, but you know, uh, the funding side of it is coming from competition works and some other sponsors. And it's just cool. Cause like, this is something really unique that people want to be a part of, and it's hard to get money to, to race a normal bike, you know, this isn't a normal bike. So I, I would say a lot of, a lot of the appeal was like, just to be able to have support to go race. And that was through this bike, you know, the bike is a big reason why I have support to go out and do this stuff. So if I was just going to be another guy at a Gixxer 750 or something, like nobody would care. Yeah. This is kind of a unique opportunity. The F3 of course won a race in world super sport last year. Let's talk about, you mentioned getting the bike home and, and breaking into it. Uh, like if you get a GSXR seven fifty, you don't have to do anything. Motor stays stock, nothing. What has to be done to make this bike super sport legal? The F three because it is a triple eight hundred competing against like an R six or a ZX six R. So what has to be done, and and what do you estimate as the cost? You know to get this bike race ready, just in terms of not not the normal stuff, not the body work, not the foot pegs, you know the stuff that you change, but in terms of actually getting it race ready. So yeah, to make the thing legal, there is a you know kit there's like a, a electronics harness and ecu so you know that way motor american can balance it with the rpm and stuff and there's also the kit valve springs which is i think just like a reliability thing i don't know for sure and then uh transmission parts so the transmission parts basically makes it so the gearing isn't super short because right now like i rode i rode an mv years ago back uh, in 2015 when the f3 800 first came out rode one of those that was fully race prepped by my engine builder eric and i love that thing but i remember the gearing being kind of short because he didn't have those transmission parts so that was kind of a challenge with the bike but yeah now it's like they got the they got all those parts the bikes won a world super sport race um so they kind of got stuff figured out and the bike's been refined over the years. It hasn't changed a lot. You know, the main, the main difference is you look at this, you know, 2022, 23, it's got like wing lifts kind of on it. So, um, but yeah, those parts are not cheap. It's like, it's almost 10 grand, you know, just to get the parts you need to make the thing legal. So, cause Yeesh. that has to come from Italy. Yeah. yeah. That's come from Italy and it's, you know, they don't have large quantities cause let's face it. There's, like one team in the world racing this thing. So, um, you know, and then the rest of the stuff, it's, it's all the same. It's, you know, rear sets, body work, it's suspension, that stuff's, you know, no more expensive than anything else. And how you got to source like extra wheels and stuff like that. Did, did they give you wheels <laughs> and stuff? Like I, I have just a bike. That's all I got at the moment. But you know, <laughs> all right. Yeah, so we're, we're right at the beginning of this program. You got to get <laughs> rear stands. You got to get wheels. Like it's a lot of the things the that people thing. don't realize. Have- I yeah. don't even have a, a axle nut to take the rear wheel off yet. So <laughs> that's awesome. yeah, luckily we got some good partners in store. Like I'm going to be working with, uh, I think bliss and moto and they're like a huge importer for a lot of Italian parts, you know, for this bike. And I've met some other people, you know, over the last couple of months that 
have sources. I've actually emailed the MV Reparta Corsa team over in Italy. Hopefully they'll help me out trying to get some stuff. Like the bodywork is what I'm really trying to find right now because nobody has race bodywork that, you know, looks like the new bike. It's got that crazy Moto2 looking front fender. It's got the winglets. So hopefully that team will be able to help me out a little bit and, uh, you know, show me some parts. So yeah, I, I expect this next week a lot of a lot of the unknowns, you know, it's going to happen. But I mean, I can get wheels on eBay, all that stuff. But yeah, we got some stuff to figure out. So yeah, definitely like this is not, I'm not going out trying to win a championship this year. Yeah, but just, now now it really sounds like waiting until Road America is the, that's the prudent move at this point. Well, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I really think we'll have the bike on track and be testing in April. Maybe not with the kits, the kit electronics yet, but I mean, I mean, I can just put some normal body work on the thing. I can, I mean, I'll have suspension soon. So I'll be able to get out and, you know, do some riding on this thing. But, you know, hopefully it's like fully finished sometime in May and, you know, get to do some club races and stuff at the Ridge, get ready. So can there be any link, can there be any link between you, Andy, and the team overseas that's running the thing? I mean, is there, is there the opportunity to possibly kind of get any information or, or any kind of even... I'm not going to say technical support, but have a liaison there. I mean, I know this is early for you and some of these things are probably in question, but is there any way that some of that can filter to you over here? I hope so. I, I haven't, you know, the person, I literally like went on Instagram to, you know, the Reparta Corsa team's Instagram page and like they have a contact email and it's just like press at whatever their email <laughs> address is. I'm like, hey, I'm racing this bike. Uh can you guys help me out trying to find some stuff? And, you know, whoever responded like, Oh yeah, you know, and like so far I haven't got like any actual help so far, but if anyone's listening over there, I, I hope so. You know, and, <laughs> and as, and it's funny, I, I even like reached out to the MV Instagram and messaged them. And I didn't hear back, but I, I assume like, like I said, as this transition with, you know, MV and how it's being handled in the States, like those contacts that I need, like I'm going to get those soon. So, um, so yeah, I, I, you know, it, it'd be silly for them not to share, you know, and promote what I'm doing, you know, what I'm going to be doing with this bike because, you know, it seems like they would, they're in need of that. So, yeah, I mean, you, you got to think teams are more successful when they have satellite teams and it would make sense for them possibly to just have another bike on track, gather more information, even though it's different tires, it's still more information, the better, but obviously with KTM's transition, there's going to be a lot of stuff to be decided. Anything else, yeah. Jay, you want to ask Andy about this? Well, no, I mean, look, the, the thing I have always been really impressed with you, Andy, is, you know, I saw him, you know, in the winter months grinding out at Chuckwalla on his own. I'd, I'd, I'd ride by sometimes in the evening and he'd be sitting there next to his van with his, with your skillet making your steak or whatever you're doing, I remember. And, uh, and you've been grinding at it for quite a while. Are you going to have to do, I heard you say that you're hoping that somebody can take the bike back to Jersey. Is that, are you right now trying to make it to where, we can get the bike with the team and that way you can just kind of show up. Cause I know in the, in the past you've been putting the miles in. Um, we were at Chuck Walla once and he says, I got to rip back up to Washington. I can't stay. Cause I got, I think it was you putting your Honda together or something. And it was like, he was talking about ripping back up to Washington. Like he was going back into Palm Springs, you know, an hour away. So <laughs> I know that you, I, I know that you got used to being on the road a lot. Um, how are you planning to yeah, work like- that part of it out? That that is still a little bit up in the air. I mean, I imagine I'm going to be driving again. Um, so, like at least for Daytona coming up, I'm sending my bike off with a group of people from the Northwest that are also going to Daytona. So, like Moto Shippers is going to haul our stuff out there, so I'll get to fly in. So, you know, like the you know Road America probably drive to. Um, we got a small trailer. It's funny. Well, it's not funny, but like. Last year, I was supposed to, you know, finish out that Moto America season, and I sent my trailer with the team, and unfortunately, the trailer accidentally got totaled, so, like, my race trailer is non-existent, so that has to get replaced, probably will get replaced, so, but, um, I mean, the jersey thing would be easy, because, yeah, like, I could, I could, there's plenty of teams that, you know, are going to be looking for room, especially at the end of the season, because people probably might dwindle off, so, yeah, it should be easy to get the bike sent out there, but I'd like to have my own program. Like, you know, whether it's my van and a trailer, you know, we'll make it happen. So last year you drove to Daytona. I remember last year you were, you got in your van and you drove your hooligan bike down to Daytona from up Pacific Northwest. That's a, how long did it take you to get there? 
by yourself, right? Didn't it. you drive it by yourself? Yeah, I, I drove by myself. It took me four days. And then <laughs> I had to set up at the track, you know, do all the media stuff, you know, take tires and dumb up. I did all that. And then, and I'd never raced there. And then I ended up qualifying on pole and winning. So that was like the biggest reward ever. That 100%. was a brutal trip. Makes yeah, the drive remember, back, makes the drive back a little easier though, right? Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> like kind of, you know, side story a little bit, you know, like I remember being at Atlanta and, you know, my crew had to fly home Sunday night and I was on the podium for Super Hooligans and like they literally like met me at the podium, put my bike on the stand, said good job and then left. <laughs> so like <laughs> I like do the podium ceremony <laughs> and afterwards, you know, uh they're like, all right, like you got to go to the press conference. I'm like, wait, like I got to like take my bike to park for me. Like, I can't, I can't de- get DQ'd. So like literally the golf cart leaves with like O'Hara and McWilliams and like they, they leave and I'm like rolling my bike over the tech and then like I had to run across the bridge. Like I show up late out of breath, like, you know, and then I had to go like pack up everything on pit wall. And meanwhile, like Indian, like they just won and like they're all having beers and stuff. And I'm in my leathers, like, breaking down my pit wall and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, my, my team said if I didn't win, like they weren't going to help me. And they just laugh. That's on, on top of that, Jay, there's me texting him on Monday, on Tuesday. When are you coming home, bro? We got call of duty to play. He's like, <laughs> I'm in the middle of the country, man. I'm hustling. I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, last, well, last year, Andy, Greg had his own issues in Atlanta after the races. So, mm. you know, yeah, he was, he parked underneath a truck. So yeah, that was, um, he had his no. own issues. So I'll, I I'll car, take Andy's no, I have a car deal over for it. Yeah, I, I would take Andy's deal over my deal any day. <laughs> well, I, I think, it, you know, Andy, it's, it's really good to see that you're getting a little bit more support. I know KTM has been behind you, you know, for a couple of years anyways uh, with the hooligan stuff. And now you've got this opportunity to – I think you'll make this bike shine. I think that the only time I've ever ridden an MV, I really, really liked it a lot. And I think the hardest part will be just the logistics, getting the parts, getting the things you need, getting the reliable people and sources that you need to get the thing going. But – I think that once you do that, uh, it's going to be in super capable hands. So we're wishing you the best. Now, on an end note, are we doing anything else? Are we doing straight rhythm again? Are we doing any dirt tracking? Is any of that stuff coming in the plans this year? Yeah, for sure. I'll be, as always, trying to race everything and anything I can. You know, I, I don't know for sure if Red Bull Street Rhythm is happening again. Um, it didn't sound like it. That whole deal was like over a million dollars over budget or something crazy. I heard, you know, that straight rhythm track, like just for them to build that tabletop over the, the bathrooms on the restroom. Like that was like 60 grand I heard in engineering to set up all the scaffolding and all that stuff. So yeah, that, that was wild. So yeah, hopefully I'll get to do some AFT stuff. I recently just sold my, my KTM flat track bike to a a buddy of mine. So had to kind of recoup from last year. You know, I was, I last year was last year was a taxing season, so I just kind of wanted to like start the season debt free and like fresh, you know. So good for you. But I hope to hope to uh, replace that bike. I actually have a the guy who built my bike has one, so hopefully I'll just get to race his bike. I want to do I want to do the all the TTs of AFT really bad, like Arizona and whatnot. So we'll see if that stuff happens. But, but yeah, I'll I'll be I'll be all, up to all kinds of stuff. Awesome. So. Wow. All right, well, appreciate cool. you well, coming on. Yeah, really. Thanks for coming on, and uh, yeah, thanks, you know, good man. luck. Yeah, and don't forget, dude. Like, we got what six days until Rebirth returns to Call of Duty. So <laughs> maybe I'll be good enough to play with you then, since you don't play with me I, in Warzone I'm up anymore. To, I'm up to 106 wins on Warzone now. So I, I'm, I'm gonna, at zero. Dude, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna try zero. to start streaming soon. <laughs> I'm going to quit racing. I'm going to be a streamer. I'm calling oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Living the dream yeah. like 90% of freaking Gen Z. Had a boy. Yeah. Yeah, because you seem like the kind of guy who's just going to really just take to sitting in a chair for 10 hours a day. That just kind of sounds like you. No more hustle. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about too much of my off season, but. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, well, hey, at least you have till June to work out now and drop the extra. Yeah, uh, you got some months ahead. Pounds. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Stoked to finally get on here, you know? Thanks, so, man. Thank yeah, you thanks, Andy. Thank you. Good to have you on. Good to hear you creating some. All right. That's Andy Debrino, everybody. We appreciate him coming on as we continue on with our Arai news. JP, let's take a look at uh, some Moto America stuff as we were talking about it. So it looks like the 
attack team, the Fresh and Lean Progressive Yamaha team was, and uh, Skultz on the Westby team and Kayla Yakov on the MP13 team out testing yesterday and today at Button Willow, where Debrino's going, I guess, the day after tomorrow. However, it was Gagne, who is fastest, doing like 42 flats, and then a 44-4 for Skultz on the Superbike, but his bike caught fire um, in the in the garage, so his day was cut short. For uh, Peterson, Cam Peterson, he actually focused on just the 600, because he, he'll be racing the Daytona 200 with the attack team. Gagne won't. And then Kayla Yako was out there on her R7. So only like, I think this is a f- second time she's had a chance to test that thing. And she did 150 flat, super sport bike. Peterson went 146.3 and then super bike went 142. So I don't know if you got to hear anything about it. I know they're going to you know, test again today. I don't know what the weather's been like out there. Those It's been perfect. It's off. been perfect where, where I'm at right now, G-Dev. We're getting back to that like mid-70 type of weather here in Ventura. And I know uh, generally Bakersfield... Um, in the winter could be a little bit chilly and cold looking at the lap times. I think that they've gone as quick as I want to say like minute 40 point something out there. So, you know, they're probably out there shaking down some stuff and testing. And I think with the R six, especially I saw that post where they wrote that that bike hadn't literally been touched since last Daytona. So, um, you know, they were kind of doing a little bit of a shakedown on that thing. And um, the fact that Kayla's out there are 50 flats on an R seven, it's really fast, really, really fast. But expect nothing less from her. So, obviously, Melly's got that bike rolling and, and running for her to be able to to be on it. I was talking to Raspoli the other day about when they tested in Jennings a bunch of years ago, and I saw a post from Kayla uh, basically saying that she's she could get down. She thinks she should get down to the 15s at Jennings, and gee, that is that is so fast. And um, 15s there on an R6, and then she's obviously at Buttonwillow testing her new race bike. So I think there's a lot of good things coming out of that. Um, it's going to be really interesting when you get the scoop from Chuck Chiquetto about maybe what happened to, to Skultz's bike uh, in a garage. You just told me that this morning. So, um, But, yeah, I think the weather will be good, and they're just getting some things ready to go. Do you see that feature? Uh, on? Uh, I did. It's great. Yeah, Today Show with Hoda or whatever on Kayla. I, yeah, and I thought, that, I thought that the uh, – the young girl that did that, um, the interview and everything, I thought it was really well done. And, and uh, you know, the thing is, it, it, the thing I always get blown away with Kayla is just, she's just so incredibly well-spoken. And she, mm-hmm. it's just, it's great. I mean, having somebody like her in our paddock, uh, we're all very fortunate. And I think she's going to be a force in, in that class. I mean, she's going to be, she's going to be a force in Twins Cup this year. There's we, no we question. We talked about it. Twins, twins yeah. is going to be. It's going to be a gnarly class without question. All right. Yeah. So MotoGP, Jay, those, uh, the rookies and the test riders have, you know, done a couple days of testing at Sepang as we wait for the official test to start with everybody, which starts Friday, Sepang time. It's already Thursday. So I would imagine probably midday tomorrow, we should see some bikes roll out, you know, probably maybe this time no let's see it's two o'clock in the morning ish over there so probably midday your time in california but uh i'll I'll go over a little bit of you know just kind of sampling of of what the article talks about so michele piero on the ducati set the pace at a 159.8 and most of the work that was being done by ducati was more on the aero side of things you know those aerodynamics there's like new ground effects packages and new side pods and all that kind of stuff Cal Crutchlow initially started on Sunday and Monday by himself. And then Nagasuga, who is their other test rider, uh, the Japanese test rider, he showed up, I guess, on Tuesday. And most of what they were testing, I mean, obviously they're testing the new motor for Yamaha, mm-hmm. uh, but they were testing a ton of new, you know, body work and stuff like arrow. that. Arrow, arrow, right? Yeah, all the arrow stuff. Now, here is the thing that was noted, and I'll read it. Um, so Quateraro was there trackside watching, and, and they said the Frenchman will also have seen that the speed trap numbers on the Yamaha were posting, which at one point displayed Crutchlow clocking in at 335K an hour, five more than Quateraro managed in his last year's Grand Prix, and eight more than Yamaha managed at the 2020 Sepang test, a positive sign they've made significant steps in the 2023 engine. So that is obviously a, a good sign. And you would hope that with top speed also comes a little bit more acceleration. On the KTM side, Danny Pedroza working on an aero package mostly. You know, they're the, one of their aero uh, foils, Jay, had like these little kind of shark teeth 
you know, like edges to them. Yeah. And it's for, I think it's for laminate flow or laminar flow. I can't remember. But anyway, they got rid of those. And so they're, they're messing around with side pod wing sizes and those types of things. Augusto Fernandez, because he's a rookie, Jay, he's on the gas gas factory. So he completed, uh, you know, three days of testing already. And he went two minute 0.482. So if you look at that, he's only six tenths of a seconds off of what Michele Piro did. And that's Fernandez's first appearance in MotoGP, you know, other than the test, you know, yeah. first test going it. Uh, Salvadori was out on the Aprilia bike. And for the most part, they were just working on, on aero stuff, new front package and all that stuff. The biggest thing, obviously, is Stefan Bradl was out on this new, you know, the new Honda and yeah. what's going to happen. I mean, they didn't even list how much stuff they've they've got going on in the Honda, but basically all the reports are that there's kind of, you know, wholesale changes that are going to be made because obviously starting in a day and a half or so, you're going to get Mark Marquez get on this bike that they messed around with in the wintertime trying to make it better. You have all these Suzuki engineers that have come on board with Honda just recently. So how much impact could they have? So as I'm really, really curious to find out what happens in this test in the next couple of days. So with all that crap that I just said to you, Whew, with yeah, all you guys listening to, to my voice this whole time, thoughts, Jason Pridmore? Well, I think that, number one, encouraging from Yamaha, seeing that the numbers are up. I mean, we know we know Cal's pretty outspoken in things. I haven't really seen anything from him specifically. But you can tell by a couple of the different fairings and things that they were using in photos that there are some definitely some um, – aero packages that they're using. The speed was up like, I think four or five kilometer over what they did prior there. Um, so that's going to be good. I remember in the Sepang race last year, Quateraro, if you, if you were, if I recall correctly, that Sepang race was one of the most impressive ones that he did. I believe he finished third, but he was chasing, um, he was chasing Bagnaya and Bastianini during that race. And, he would lose so much on the, the two big straightaways, the one leading to the last corner and the one out of the last corner down the front straight. He was losing so much time, and he had to battle through people to get there. And, you know, the time that he was losing down the straight, if they could even recoup just a little bit of that, uh, that's going to be encouraging. You know, when they tested before G-Dub in Valencia, there were some pretty long faces in Yamaha's garage and it sounded like Honda's as well, where they just didn't feel like there was any improvements in those after season tests. So those are going to be the two big question marks, I think going in. I also read that report this week where uh, the new RNF Aprilia team, um, they're expecting Aprilia came to them and said, we want you to beat our factory team. So it's really interesting to see mm. actually the, the main people at Aprilia have have actually said that we don't mind if that team beats our factory riders. They want to continue to push that Aprilia program forward, and I think that they've got some good riders for that. Um, the 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 fact that we're going to see Mir and Rins on the Honda that's actually really intriguing to me as well. I think going into these tests, I think if I was to categorize what I'm looking forward to the most is yeah, let's see how good the Honda is, but let's see how close Rins and Mir are to. To Marquez, I think by the end of is it a three day? Is it a three day test? Three day, yeah, yeah. So I think that when you look at that, uh, that's going to be the big question mark because it's going to be one of those things, Dub, Where are we going to take two players that were consistently in the top five, seven, whatever last year on the Suzukis? Are we going to take them and put them back in the tenth to fifteenth place range, or is that bike going to be good enough to keep it sustainable for them to be up in the front? Again, and I think that you're going to get into this. I really do believe you're going to see Bastianini, uh, Bastianini and Bagnaya um, wanting to to show who's going to kind of be the superior guy there. I think Bastianini's coming in as probably the odds-on favorite to dethrone Bagnaya. If I had to think, Bastianini, I think it's going to be pretty tough. Um, especially he's on the factory bike. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I think that. It's going to be interesting to see how well those two manage to cope and how that garage manages to cope with those two in it. Yeah, there's management stuff coming about. I think that's really going to be interesting. I agree with you. I don't see anybody. You know, my concern with the Honda side of things is how how many bikes, how many parts are they going to have to test, right? So right. if Marquez is really liking this bike, how much is he going to give it up to let Mir ride it and then Rins down the pipe? So it depends on how many parts Honda has. Or maybe they have a myriad of parts where they're saying, okay, guys, 
here's your assignments. You know what I mean? You guys are going to test this bit and this team, you know, Mir, you're going to test this and Rin, you're going to test that. I don't know. But you in know, terms of what, what we have going on right now, yes, I agree with you. It's Bastianini and Piro. I mean, uh, Bastianini and, um, and, and Pecco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that look like they're going to be the class of the field only based on the bike itself. Yeah, and I think Jorge Martin. I think I'm not really expecting too many. I'm not really expecting any groundbreaking things with anybody on a Ducati. I think is going to do good. Alex Marquez is going to be a really fun one to watch. But Greg, let me ask you this about Honda. Don't you think that you kind of feel a little bit of a shift in the way that they're thinking over there? Like, you know, they're bringing in Suzuki Engineer. Um, they're they're. Uh, it seems like what they're trying to do is make this motorcycle user friendly for everybody. Now, I understand Marquez is the big. I get it. I just don't think that that by them luring Rins over to LCR, and I know that's probably a bit of a money deal as well, um, and Mir on the factory bike. I just don't see them. I don't see them as much making this feel like this is the Marquez show on Honda. You got to remember, this is a manufacturer that has dominated for years and years and years. That didn't score some. That didn't score points in races last year. They didn't even score points which is unheard of. And the thing that you got to remember is I think throwing all their eggs in that Marquez basket really has come back to bite them in development. And who, who's to say that Marquez couldn't split at the end of this next year. I mean, you hear all these talks about is Ducati going to come after him and all that kind of thing. They've really got to start to manage a program at Honda. I think that's going to accommodate other world-class guys that could come in there like a mirror and a Rins that are going to make that bike more rideable. I, there's, there's so many things we don't know, right? Like inside of HRC, how much effort is being put into MotoGP versus the other programs they have in HRC. And it has been proven. And I've talked about this on this podcast for years that when Mark Marquez is hurt in the off season, and this is the first off season in three years where he's been healthy that th- this completely put him on their back foot when you rely on one rider to do all your stuff and that rider's hurt this is the situation that we're seeing i agree with you it almost feels like what honda is doing is they're backfilling just in case right like yeah. you have already a world champion on there you have a guy in Rins who when he's on on a good bike like the suzuki he's he was freaking unstoppable man and he didn't do it from the front all the time he charged through the field and then did it you know yeah yeah. And so it's you have to question to yourself, is Rins was Rins and Mir part of the reason why Suzuki was so good on the rear tire at the end of the race? Or is it just the bike? And we're getting ready to find out because if it's really Rins magic, then Rins has the possibility of doing some special stuff. Where Marquez is more special than everybody else is almost where Petrucci was more special than anybody else in our paddock. It's just like that initial getting into the corner, controlling the bike, almost like a top rack type of thing. Yeah, but this this could really don't you think this could really blow up in their face? Like I think again, I think that there's a I think that there's a mind shift over at Honda right now where it's you don't want to bring in two guys, you don't want to bring in an ex world champion. I mean, we saw this happen with Lorenzo, and obviously he's a million times more decorated than Mir. But Mir's still a world champion. He's still proven that he can handle the pressure and put it together when he needs to. And Ren's going out and winning what two Grand Prix out of the last five or four last year or whatever it was. I, I think that when you look at that when you start to think about those two guys specifically, um, it's a big chance for Honda right now because the last thing they need is those two guys, you know, kind of talking shit about the bike and the manufacturer. I mean, Alex Marquez has come out and been like really, really open about what he feels Honda screws up in and how little he felt like he was part of the family and how little he was. And that's just stuff that you don't really want getting out. And I think that now you have these two guys that have won races. Um, you don't want to have a guy like Renz come in and and fail, even though he's on LCR. You just don't want that. So you you um, cannot convince me, Jason. If Alex Renz falls flat on his <clears throat> face on a Honda this year, you will mm-hmm. never convince me that it's Alex Renz's problem. I agree. The guy just came off of I think it was two wins in the last three races. Two wins in the last three races on Is a that bike was, that yeah. only had yeah. two. Only had two riders, and admittedly, right. Mir was was not on point. He got hurt, you know, during the season and stuff. So you're not talking about a program that's fed by seven other motorcycles like Ducati or a couple other bikes like Yamaha. You're talking about 
Rins ended up becoming the A guy because he was the fastest guy. He goes out and wins two of the last three races. He is on top of his game right now. So if he falls on his face, I've got to point the finger directly at Honda, where Rins, his, his mental toughness is going to come in and Mir's mental toughness comes in is if they don't have the bike at the beginning of the year to suffer through that first couple of races, the first half of the year, whenever it is that Honda really starts to figure this stuff out. Because I do think their acquisition of the engineers and stuff from Suzuki, if they listen to them, if they park their HRC egos and they allow room for new ideas, I think they can fix their stuff. And I would have to think that some of the pressure, Jay, has to be coming from Repsol. It has to be. Where Repsol's like, hey, guys, enough's enough. We're spending all this money, have for how long they've been around? 16 years? 15 years? More than that. More than that, right? So you have to think that Repsol also has a different perspective and they have influence to say, hey, look, Here's the thing, you know, this is what we need to you, do. Marquez, I think like you're saying, Jason, I think that Mark Marquez, if he gets hurt one more time, one big one, that he's got to pull the plug. I just don't see well, him coming back one more time. That could be for another discussion, absolutely. But I think, G-Dub, your point about Repsol, okay, Repsol is so used to winning. They're so used to seeing things. And they may have gone to Honda and said, listen, We've been here forever. As soon as Marquez gets hurt, there is nothing for us. Like the Repsol team was more, I don't want to say laughing stock because it is still a professional team, but I mean, they literally, they look like they just got caught with their pants down um, as soon as Mark Marquez is gone. And it's, and the worst part GW about that is when people are talking about that, when people are actually, that is the talk. When somebody goes, and mentions Honda right now, people are going, well, they're nothing without Marquez. That is not the environment that they need to create, that they want to create. And Repsol has been putting all this money in since, you know, you got to remember that money was still going in the bank account when Marquez got hurt and they've literally got nothing to show for it in the last three years. And when you've, when you've been breeding a winning um, formula over there for so many years, you you might be spot on with that. Repsol might've come and said, Hey, what are we going to do? Well, here's what we're going to do. We are going to restructure some things internally. We're going to hire from outside the corporation to, from some other teams. We're going to bring in two guys that are world-class riders right now that we know are winning races that have come from that other manufacturer. That's why I think there's a, there's a, there's a bigger – and some of this stuff I'm sure has either come out or will come out more, especially if Honda has some success, where they will talk more about how – they went out and looked at Rins, looked at Mir, looked at the engineer that they hired over from Suzuki and said, we needed to figure out how we could get better ourselves. And we brought in other great minds to do that. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting test. I think it's a closed media test, right? So it's not like going to be where you and I could watch like a couple years ago or a few years ago. Remember we could actually watch it live. Yeah. And I I'm think not that sure what the plan is. I, 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 yeah, I, I it sounds like MotoGP wants to control the narrative of this whole thing as opposed yeah. to letting other media. So I'm not sure if I know that they're doing. So I'm on their website right now. So one day okay. and 15 hours from now, from when we're recording this, there's an after the flag coming. Sepang test day one. So okay. I'm not sure if we're going to get live video, if we're going to get live timing and scoring, maybe it's, we get all the good stuff that we normally get. I mean, I've already re-upped my subscription to MotoGP.com. Yeah. I'm sure you've done the same thing. Yeah. Video yeah, pass. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we get all that stuff. And then they're just not allowing journalists to come in because it looks like there's going to be. So starting at 2100 hours local time will be free practice one and then the show. So, yeah, so it should start in basically like about 30 hours, less than 30 hours. And it looks like from judging from what they're doing, there'll be results and there'll be a report. Yep. So there will be timing and scoring and that's it. That's it. Yep. That's it. So no video and stuff like that. So all we'll be able to do, and I will be doing that, is staring at the timing and scoring screen and watching splits yep. and doing all that anal- analyze- analyze- analyzing. And that's where... Not having journalists on the ground, we don't know who's putting in a tire, who's doing what, what air, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it. And next week, for sure, we will bring you all the information that we can possibly find out and analyze what's going on to see what manufacturers have made moves. You know, these rookies, um, you saw that 
who who brought Fol- Folger back? Um, was it KTM? Uh, KTM, yeah, KTM brought Folger back. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so he's a third test rider, and this was something that they talked about last year. You know, Mika Calio is, I mean, he's got to be forty now. You know, yeah. and I think that his his experience level and with the advancements and everything else probably running out. So they still have three Pedroza, Calio, and then Giannis Folger's back. So we'll see how that whole thing progresses. It as could be well. a big year for KTM. I think if if Baylor's Maybe. happy, and you know they start, they've already committed. Pedrosa's going to do a wild card at Jerez, and he he basically said he would never do that unless the bike was in a in a window. And I know that that you know they I know they still treat some of that stuff as as a test, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I KTM. There's just so many good things that are going to be coming out of this. I expect there's going to be a lot of long runs too, like. I don't know if outlap, out, you know, out the, the, the absolute fast pace is going to be something that these guys are going to be concerned with until the last day. There's going to be a lot of long runs and testing things and equipment. And I mean, MotoGP is going to be amazing this year. It's going to be it's going to be so good to watch. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, so that's coming at us, G Dub. So um, let's move on. As I got yeah, out speaking of this, of, uh, speaking of good go to ahead. watch, uh, yeah. Did you watch Supercross? Dude, I watched it. Yeah, we were... Was, we, it, I, was it good to watch? <laughs> what was funny, yeah, you were hosed because you didn't get to see any of it. But I basically... I was, I was doing the same thing as I did a couple of weeks ago when I forgot to get... Well, I didn't forget, but I put a team in that didn't have a a rider. But Supercross this last weekend, G-Dub, was obviously really good. Tomac, again, went out and kind of did his thing. And it was funny because Sexton dominated the... Uh, he dominated the heat race. And actually pulled away from Eli and the whole bit. Um, and during this race, there was one section on the track where Eli was so dominant. There was a sand section there that kind of had some rollers in it. And Tomek would literally gain a second through there almost every lap. I was lucky because Zemke was hanging out with us in the garage and we were watching the race. And it was like Sexton was faster than Tomek everywhere. Then they'd get to the sand sector section. Tomek would just pull everything back out again that he had lost. And hmm. Midway th- midway through the race, GW, Sexton had really closed down on Tomac, and then all of a sudden, it's just like Eli goes into that grind mode and ends up pulling away and winning by 3.2 seconds. Um, and, I mean, Jason Anderson ends up third, 12 and a half seconds back. Plessinger, who continues to ride really well this year, ends up fourth over Webb, Barsha Cooper, Roxon, Joey Savacci, who's actually riding super good this year, and Adam Cianciarillo, 10th. You know, Jake was talking to me about like Savachi, and he's like, Jason, the guy doesn't even have a practice bike. He doesn't even ride during the week. And I'm like, can we get a GoFundMe really? account or something to get him a bike? Like, what what's going on there? Like, so Joey Savachi right now is consistently um, you know, he's always he's right there around C and Cirillo and beating him. And uh so for Adam, I think he's just kind of I think C and Cirillo right now is trying to get his just get through some races, don't get hurt. Um but, but dude, Tomac's getting starts. That's where it's all that's, happened. That's He's- the thing. You talked about it from the beginning. You said Tomac gets starts. The rest of the yeah. could be finished. How was the Jason Anderson drama? Anything? I you mean, know, anything like, you know, like there was from a couple weeks ago? No, no. Yeah, well, the whole him and Barsha thing, you mean? Yeah, Barsha and yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, me, G-Dub, I, it, that stuff doesn't really. I mean, was yeah. Barsha it, in the ra- Oh yeah, Barsha finished P6. I didn't know if they got together on the track again or whatever. No, I didn't see um, any of that. I didn't see them get together at all on the track or nothing. So What um, happened to uh What happened to Malcolm? Is he hurt? He's hurt. Yeah, him uh, and him and uh him and uh Muscan are still hurt. So mm. you know, it, it's it's typical Supercross, you know, it's a cute. You look down the Dil- list. I see- saw Dylan Ferrandez took a big one and he was Big one. Yeah. yeah. They, it's really, it's scary. You know, it's kind of scary when they red flag a supercross race. Cause you know, when they red flag a supercross race, that it's probably something a little bit more serious. Super serious. Yeah. You know, and the fact that uh, it's not like he rang his bell is what happened there. Uh, in the end, it, in the end, that's correct. In the end, right. Is that correct? And if you watch it again, it's another one of those incidents, G-Dub, where it looked fairly pedestrian. It, like it didn't look like anything major or big or any of that stuff. And, uh, but yeah, he was, he was knocked out, I think. And so they put him at a neck brace, but they let him stand up and get up and do all that. And then they put him on the back of the cart and sent him off. But, um, can we just talk about the restarts on these supercross races real quick? Have you seen them? Sure. 
Yeah, yeah, where they line them up and they basically have to. It's it was it's almost like reminiscent of that Daytona DMG crap that we used to do, right? Where like yeah. if you're in a line, it, it, the ours were rolling. If you remember, and basically the way it went it was you couldn't accelerate and race the person in front of you until you pass that line. In our instance, right. start finish. So That's it's right. it's really weird. It's not like the thing drops and then everybody can go racing. It's like you've got to you're paced by the person in front of you until you hit that one line, and then you can start racing. I mean, what do you, what, what's your opinion on it? I, so I, they got they got two basically tough blocks that are, look like they're about eight feet apart, six to eight feet apart. That everybody's got to go through, and you can't do any passing until then. Now, Raspoli was there. There's a bunch of us talking about it, and I didn't really put any of my two cents in because um, I was just kind of listening. But you know, one of my biggest complaints about rain races with when you and I are racing or whenever we anybody's racing, the one thing I hate about it was if you were leading a race and you had put together, you know, whether it's raining or not, sorry, any kind of race. But if you're, you know, halfway through the race, whatever, and you've got a three or four second lead, and I hated the fact that you would lose all that time. I would hate I hated the fact that, you know, back in the day specifically. There were times where they would do like three to four or five lap restarts. You know, you'd be three quarters of the way through the race and they'd still restart yeah. it. I can cast your and, mind back to 03 Barber Super Sport if you want me to and how I lost. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah, let's, that's, yeah, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll take that hit for the listeners later. We don't have to get into this right now, right? So, um, it's when I was no, factory the, Yamaha. Uh huh. The thing is, though, right, is that you, <laughs> you lose all that time. And I was always like, if you have planned your race, and I get everybody's gonna be like, well, sometimes the luck falls your way, sometimes it doesn't. I like the fact that they stagger them in a way that the guy who was leading the race four laps in, which was Tomac, five laps, whatever it was, you know, he gets to start at the front. I think I don't like the idea of everybody going back to the line and having to do a mass restart and seeing the guy who was maybe leading the race get taken out in the first turn on a restart. I like the fact that they stagger him. I don't like the fact that they got to go through this little six foot wide area and wait because then it just allows the field to spread out that much more. But I don't have a solution either because, you know, in our races, each line has a camera so you could tell people jump start, right? If they were just yeah. to sit at the front, if they were to just sit at the front, if they were to, if they were to line everybody up and then just throw a green flag, you'd never really have a way of knowing who jumped and who didn't. But they do the same thing in dirt track, do they not? They do. They do so, the same thing in dirt track. So think about it. We, but they kind of, they kind of, don't they do it at G Dub where they kind of, they'll be like this and then they kind of line them up and then they, they kind of like, it's almost, yeah, like it almost a, looks like a peloton S. in the wind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're kind of yeah. offset. The, the thing is, okay. So in the years past, and I know people listening to this podcast remember, we used to do aggregate time in GP and we, we've done it. They, we tried it in AMA too. So basically, let's say that, Jay, you're out front by three seconds. I'm in yeah. second place <clears throat> and I have a one second lead over third place. Yes. You would restart the race in your in your grid spot, but that time you carried. I would have to. I would have to beat you by three point oh oh one seconds to win. If I if you had a three second lead on me, yes. So the the problem with that is we are in the entertainment business, and it got so confusing for fans because we'd say on the racetrack this happened, but actually in timing and scoring this happens, and and it happens in our races now when someone gets a five second penalty in the middle of the race. Right. Okay. Like it's, it happens yep. for us. Remember in Moto America yep. has to do that sometimes. And we have to kind of commentate around it. Well, actually you see this person on the track in second place, but they're actually in fourth place because they had a five second penalty and the two people behind them are within one second of them. Mm-hmm. So that solution from an entertainment business standpoint doesn't work. So you can't mm-hmm. really do that. I don't, I don't think that that ultimately is the fairest thing. I think the ultimate thing is the fairest thing is you get to keep the time that you had on the rest of the field when the green flag flies. But uh-huh. from a fan standpoint, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And so I think they've done the best that they possibly can do. I think that we do the best that we possibly can do because of our races are a little bit different. You know, we don't have a starting gate that everybody's really theoretically lined up in the same plane. Correct. Ours are based on grid position. So it's, I think it's a function of just racing. There is no perfect solution to it. Yeah. My personal view is for Supercross, I th- I agree with you 200%. I think it's the best start for them, and I wish there was a little bit better of a solution. So if someone did have a bigger lead, they would have that bigger margin. 
But yeah. I think the fact that, you know, if you're in 12th place, you have to wait for 11 riders to cross those tough blocks before you can pin it. I yeah, you're trying to get going, and it's just like a Congo line. And Like, look, yeah. I, I'm not saying I have any solution. I always thought aggregate time, the way we did it before, was the most fair way of doing it. Because you also got to remember, and I used to talk about this in the when I was on the AMA, AMA advisory board as the writer rep. I used to say, look, we are talking about a situation that probably doesn't come up very often. I mean, it's like, if you look at how many races really get red flagged during the season, I think that... Um, I just think that, and I don't want to overcomplicate it and turn this into a big podcast about this, but I think especially if a race is halfway done, you have to do something that rewards the guys that are whose tires have gone up, but they've planned a certain way of riding or racing, and and uh, it's just a it's a it's an interesting thing. But I just feel like the Supercross side of it, there might be a way to do the restarts a little bit better. But again, G-Dub, we don't see it a lot, so it's something that we're talking about trying to fix that we might only see something like this once or twice Plus a year. Plus track design, how much room they would have to do this. Correct. I think there's a lot of factors involved. There's a lot of so things. So my, my point yeah. is on the road racing side, Jay, aggregate time is the is the most fair thing to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. But it just can't happen because we are a fan-based sport, and the yeah. fans get confused. And so I understand that that part of it, like, that's Correct. my position on it. I see it from the racer standpoint. I see it from the entertainment side of things. And, and so that's, you know, that's basically that. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, in terms two fifty hit it. Well, I was just going to say, yeah. So the East championship started, right. Was that their first yeah. race in the East? Oh yeah. Their that, first race in the East first. Yeah. And, and dang, if it wasn't one of those Hunter boys that did it again, or uh, Lawrence yeah. boys, Hunter Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence ends up 7.4 ahead of Max Ancy and Jordan Smith. Uh, the Deegan thing. Could you could you please explain to me why this whole Deegan thing is such a big deal? Like, okay. is it just because his <laughs> dad? Be you, like, I was going to have you explain it to me. I'm not up on the Deegan drama at all. I don't even know. And and it sounded like there was a bunch of people hating. Uh, there sounded like there was just a bunch of people hating on him. I I, I don't understand it because I don't know. I honestly don't have. Um, I mean, we'd have to get Weej on, but I know that. Yeah, like something happened. You know, because like he got a star bike and he was racing like a full blown factory bike at Loretta's and there was some stuff from the past. But, you know, I'm just I don't know, dude. I mean, like, yeah, like nothing strikes me about Hayden Deegan that says that he's the next coming of, you know, James Stewart or Ricky Carmichael. Well, no, that's I know out here. I know out here that's kind of been the thing is that he is going to be like, I, you know, the Deegan news about him, about Hayden being as good as he is, I think is spot on. I mean, everybody's been talking about this kid since he was racing, okay. you know, mini bikes. So, so no, I think that the, the hype is real there. I don't know if there's a jealousy thing. And again, Greg and I aren't really moto guys. I mean, I, I try to follow it as much as I can, but I pretty much shy away from when I start seeing a bunch of dramas or people's opinions. I just like, hey, let the kid go out yeah, and race. Too. He's I'm young. Like, yeah. He's he's Let's young. Let him race. go do his thing. Yeah. And so what his dad is so and so and his sister's so and so like big deal. Correct. I mean, that's the greatest thing about racing, man. Lap times don't lie. So Yeah, you're either you know, gonna he, do it or you're on, not gonna do it. And he wrote amazing. Yeah. And I saw a thing, G dub. I saw a thing where on a lap time average, he was the most consistent of anybody there. So I'm like, man, to finish fourth in your debut and um I you know, anyways, I I thought he did a great job. I mean, and and I thought Cool. Seeing a guy like Max Anstey do a good job, too, I thought was really cool. Max Anstey ends up second. And Jordan Smith, who rode for Cowie last year, he ended up third. But, I mean, Hunter Lawrence and his brother right now, they're – I mean, look, they're just out there. Next level. They're, testing, they're, they're practicing each week together. They're pushing each other. And it was. It was next level. He got a good start. And he was gone. I thought seeing Jeremy Martin back was good. Moseman had a tough night. He crashed. Um, mm. And then you got guys – Chance Hymas is another guy that is as a rookie. Um, Tom Viali, who's been racing over in the 250 um, World Championship, he was up front for most of the night. I mean, he was top three. He was ripping, and then he tipped over, and he ended up seventh. So there are going to be guys there. Um, Chris Blos, you know, filling in mm-hmm. at Monster Energy Pro Circuit, he ended up tenth. Colin Park was ninth. So there's a bunch of guys, Greg, that I didn't know in that in that race. So it kind of made it fun. The track was pretty good. I don't think it was great, but I thought the track was pretty good. Um, and so where, I forget where they go this week. Are they? No, this week isn't the fill-in race for uh, 
No, they're going to Oakland the on the seventeenth. Where are they at this week? Do you know where they're at oh. this week? I think they're back to Cali. Is it A three? Maybe I'm looking it up right now. Supercross. Mm. Is there an A three? I need to. <laughs> is there no? Is there no A three? Supercross. No, I, don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, I need to know from a perspective of when to do my picks. Like what hurt me was I was in Vegas working, and that race was you know like Central Time Zone. That's what killed me. Right. So right, they right, are right. in. Oh, they're in Tampa. So they're full East Coast this week. Ah, uh, so they gotta that go. Means you're gonna have. They to, go there, and then they drive all the way back to Oakland. All the way back to Oakland. Ugh. Then they go all, and then they go all the way back to Arlington, Texas, to basically oh, Dallas. My God. Yeah, then to brutal. Daytona. So that the fill in's got to be tough, and it's. I would imagine it's a bit of a budget buster too for for some of these smaller teams. So hopefully, oh, yeah, all these teams 100%. can afford to do it. Just riding yeah, around Cali up and down the coast is expensive enough, but now having to go oh, you know, all the way three quarters of the way cross country back and forth, yeah, it kind of oh, stinks. Really. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, pretty bad, up. pretty bad. Um, but so and, and look, I get it. You know, I mean, rain canceled it and all that kind of stuff, but we'll look forward to that. So that should be another East Coast race for those guys. I don't think West Coast. Well, that was the thing. You know, normally the West Coast guys have their bunch, then they get a ton of time off, and then they get to do the the East and West shootout thing. But this is a, a deal for them where they've got to go. They're going to go to Oakland in two weeks. Then they'll get one, two, three weekends off, four weekends off. Then go to Seattle, then Glendale, then you know Atlanta, Jersey. I mean, there's yeah, they're all the way. They're back going across country. They're going. Yeah, all right. yeah, they're on the gas. So, and I think that season wraps up uh, May, Salt Lake City, May thirteenth, which I I think we're not doing stuff. I was talking to some of my friends about the potential of going to Salt Lake to check it out or even mm-hmm. Phoenix. When did I say yeah. May, May 13th? That doesn't sound like, uh, Oh no, I'm, I'm competing, possibly competing in archery that weekend. Right. That's the weekend before barber. Anyway. So that's that. Um, in terms of fantasy, our Greg's garage pod, I didn't get a pick in. So that's total disaster. Typical supercross year for me. However, Rotten takes over from Trey Belts and PM140. Beat JP43, still solid there in fifth place. Yeah, solid. But, dude, Rotten Rotten in Anaheim 2, which was the one before, mm-hmm. had 291 points and went 64th in the in the basically the world. And I, I can't remember how many people are doing Pulp MX. It's got to be over 100,000 or something, right? Yeah. Um, or whatever it is. And then this week goes 269 points to be 826th overall and take over the lead. So in our pool, it's 985 points to 970 points. It's still snug. PM 140, kind of solid since the beginning, 244 points, 212, 246, 240. So there's your difference. Instead of these like crappy and big point numbers that Rotten's having, PM 140 in third is just kind of slow and steady. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like yeah. our, our the people you gotta that do we play this with, thing, though. Guess what you uh, yeah, it, uh, slow and steady. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tip of a cap to our boy Chuck Axelman. He had a he had a big weekend. Yeah, he big finally week, uh, yeah, hate yeah, two hundred fifty two points. Give him he beat props. Skip. He beat Skip. Skip He's on six, page one. Sixteenth. Yeah, I know. Uncle Skip is pretty solid in sixteenth place. Yep. But I would say like a big loser. I'm trying to see what happened here to your girl Caro. She was P three last week. And yeah, I don't see her up there. I was kind of hoping she was going to win it just because it would have been a funny story. But it would have been a funny story. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'm on page two. I don't, am I missing it? She must have missed. She must have missed it. Hmm. You're 94th, so you're solidly yeah. on page two. Okay. Now, finally, I was on page three, but I'm trying to go forward here. But that's where the round missed. So I'm pretty happy with my 715 points considering I missed a round. So yeah, I guess you and I missing one round a piece. I guess we'll just duke it out back there on page two. Yeah, is that where you are too? Are you on page two? Also? No, no shot. I got to be on page three, right? Probably. Yeah, Let's I'm see, I'm 127th on page three. You and I swapped positions. Actually, I was like in the 90s on page two. You were 124 or 123 like one or something. something. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, back yeah, there yeah. We switched positions, so I've got to I've got to really batten down the hatches here and concentrate focus. <laughs> You know I mean? Well, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun week. I'm looking forward to being home, and uh, we're gonna obviously watch Supercross, then Super Bowl Sunday. Man, I don't know. We'll see how my team does. Kind of pumped for it, but a little scared. Not as scared as I was when we played you guys 
But yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a fun weekend. I'm sure my phone's gonna be blowing up about it. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just can't. I can't. I just. I, I can't. know you're gonna be. I, I, I can't the with the Eagles. On the jersey's on its can't. way to you right now. Oh, so. no. By the way, I, I forgot to tell you this story, and I'll just tell you here. Speaking yeah. of Eagles, so for for people that don't know the story, I'll give you the Reader's Digest. The Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and then whoever's the Super Bowl champ kicks off the NFL season on a Thursday night game. <laughs> it was the same Thursday night. Jason and I fly into New Jersey, so we land, and Jason's like, by the way, I got us tickets to go to the Eagles versus Atlanta game. And I kicked and screamed like a two-year-old protesting. He didn't. He didn't. I, I did, and I and I didn't enjoy it. The, listen, he loved the, it. The city of Shut brotherly up. love my ass. Be evil. However, when we got to the game, Jason, if you remember – they gave us um, uh, what? It wasn't a full hat. It's what, do you, what do you call it's it? Like a visor, like a visor. A visor yeah. Right? They gave us a yeah. visor, and I took that home and I had it in my downstairs uh, guest room closet. Okay, this lady in my neighborhood, and her, she's the troop leader for the Girl Scouts, and her, her daughter's in Girl Scouts, and she came by selling Girl Scout cookies, and she was wearing an Eagle sweatshirt. Bless her. And I said, wait a second, what? And she goes, oh, yeah, from the area, Big Eagles fan. And I said, hold on, Kendra. And I walked to the guest room and grabbed that visor and said, I've never worn this. It's clean. I got this from the game where they had the 50-foot-high Lombardi trophy celebrating their win and three plays later started booing their quarterback. <laughs> so so, she, so I, I gave it away. I gave it away the other day. Yeah, the fact that you kept it says something, GW. You're a true fan, and we appreciate you. No, it's the fact that I'm a pack rat, and, and I didn't want to throw it away in disrespect <laughs> to you and our yeah, friendship, well, nice. so I gave it away uh-huh. to a real fan. And I, I, she, she, she said the other day that she'll be wearing it during the Super Bowl. Well, that's so good of her. At least that's it goes to somebody boy. who cares. My I hate to Dougie, say this because my, my buddy... My boy Dougie Lincoln was out here on the weekend, and you know, he's a big Eagles fan, so... Me and him had a lot to talk about, and it's like we're both like we'll there is no love goes. in Dougie's heart for anybody but Valentino Rossi. You know that, and I know that. So yeah, he's just no. saying he likes the Eagles because he because he, he wants to marry you. That's about it. Well, it could be. Yeah, it's a little scary. It could be though. You might be onto <laughs> something there. Um, but no, we had he was out here. He had a good time, and he's an Eagles fan, so he's going to be going back and forth. So he's got like Rossi and Eagles are his thing. All right, so if you're listening this deep into this podcast as we sign off, when the Eagles lose, please, please heckle Jason Pridmore on social media as much as you can. I hate to say this being a Patriots fan. AFC, though, got it. go Chiefs. Go Come Chiefs. Come on, man. That's just rude all the way around. I don't even understand why. You, I, I would – no, that's not true. Unless they were playing the Cowboys, I'd be rooting for the Patriots. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, or no, sorry. Cowboys, uh... If they're playing anybody but the Cowboys, because the Cowboys, I would not want to see beat the Patriots. I'd I'd be rooting for you. No, so I don't. I don't want to. I I never want to see the Cowboys win another football game in my life. Yeah, but that just yeah, I'm pretty just much. old like that. That's kind of you know? me too. Me too. Well, I was listen. a Steelers fan back in the day. Lynn Swan and got no problem with that. Love Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, it's a good anyway. city too. All right. Cool city. Cool well, city. We're dragging this out. So more more time we spend yakking, the more time I have to edit. So why don't you say goodbye to the people? All right, everyone, have a great weekend wherever you're at. If you're on the track, be safe. And if you're watching the football game, make sure you're wearing something green. Let's go, Eagles fly. Eagles fly later. Go Chiefs.